Hey, my name's Stu and I'm a curate here at HTBB Church. I'm sure you've heard the borders are opening on the 1st of April. The country is moving into the start of the endemic phase. And I have a sense that this might mark something significant for us as a church as well. You know, some of the fruit of the pandemic has been that we've had a chance to reflect. Maybe some things have been torn down in order to be rebuilt stronger. Maybe for some of us, it's been a return to contentment with less. And I sense that for many of us through this shaking over the past two years, we've experienced a clarity of what is important in life. What if it's through this process of gaining clarity and of letting go and of coming back to basics that God has been preparing us for something? I believe we are entering a time of opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. The borders are opening, literally and spiritually. We've been looking at the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark over the past few weeks, and I'm gonna continue on reading from that book. We're gonna look at chapter six, and we're gonna read verses seven to 13 together. Mark chapter six, verses seven to 13, let's read. Then Jesus went around, teaching from village to village, Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Okay, so here we have Jesus. And what we're reading is that he's telling the 12 disciples to go. He's sending them out. You know, right back at the start of the book of Mark in chapter one, we read of Jesus gathering his disciples for the first time, choosing who they would be. And as he's out walking one day, he spots two men, Andrew and Simon, and they are casting nets into the sea because they're fishermen, that's their job. And Jesus says to them, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And now in Mark chapter six, well, this is it. This is kind of their first assignment. The fishermen are becoming fishers of men. And this isn't the only commissioning from Jesus that we read of in the Bible. This is actually, it's really just a foreshadow of the great commission. After Jesus has died and he's risen from the dead, he gathers the disciples again and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the mission that's extended to us. Our vision at HTBB Church is to play our part in the evangelization of the nations and the transformation of society. That's pretty big. (laughs) It's kind of daunting, to be honest. Okay, so, well, I'm just gonna hand in my resignation on Monday. I'll pack up my apartment. I'll jump on the first plane. 
maybe you're thinking, can we just leave the evangelization of the nations to someone who's a bit more qualified for something so vast? Well, it's important that we don't forget three words in that vision statement. Play our part. We each have a role. We each have something to bring. And it's in the coming together of these small roles that we'll see this big vision come to pass. In our passage today, there are a few different perspectives, which I think are really helpful to look at when it comes to playing our part in evangelism. Firstly, we see Jesus sending. Then we see the disciples going, and we also read of the villages receiving. Let's look at these together. Firstly, Jesus sending. Verse six and seven says this. Then Jesus went around, teaching from village to village. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two, and he gave them authority over impure spirits. I wonder if you've seen the movie, Pay It Forward. What a classic, absolute tearjerker. If you've not seen it, go and watch it, but make sure you have a box of tissues because you will definitely cry. The premise is simple. It's this little cute kid and he wants the world to be a kinder place. And what he decides is that he's going to do an act of kindness for three people. So he picks three people and he does something kind for each one of them. But in return, he asks them to pay it forward. He asks them to do something kind for an additional three people each. So what you have is, you know, as people start doing these acts of kindness for random people, this far-reaching web of kindness. And an act of kindness for three people soon becomes nine people, and that soon becomes 27 acts of kindness, and so on and so on. Go watch the film. Jesus, you know what? He could have really easily traveled from village to village on his own, operating solo, healing people, changing lives. And you could kind of understand if he chose to do it this way, sometimes, it's just easier to get things done by yourself. But Jesus decided that he wanted the disciples to have the privilege of playing a part in this. And not only that, but if Jesus had gone alone, this would have been a model of addition. But in sending out the disciples to go and then make more disciples, well, that's multiplication. You've maybe heard it before. If you want to go fast, do it alone. But if you want to go far, do it together. There's one step though that's really important before sending, and that is training. Jesus understood the importance of training, of raising up the disciples and growing people. How did he do this? Well, firstly, Jesus was intentional. You know, in Mark chapter one, Jesus decides who his disciples are. And then in Mark chapter three, we actually read of him communicating the plan to the disciples. He's really upfront. He says, firstly, I'm appointing you. Then secondly, you will be with me. And then thirdly, so I can send you out. Jesus was clear. He was upfront. He was intentional about where he saw the disciples going and what he was training them up to do. Secondly, Jesus was relational. We read, several times about Jesus doing life with the disciples. They went on a lot of road trips. They'd have chatted, they'd have hung out, they'd have done life together, eating meals. And we even read of Jesus withdrawing from the crowds and taking the disciples to more private places. Thirdly, Jesus was formational. 
He practically modeled the job with the disciples watching on. And he also taught with words. He told stories. As Mark was speaking about last week in our sermon, he taught in parables and he explained what he was doing and he gave feedback. He formed the disciples through encouragement and correction. I wonder if you've ever been asked to do something and you've had no idea how you're going to do it. For me, when it comes to learning how to do something, if you send me on a course or you make me read a book, it's literally in one ear and very, very quickly out the other. Research has shown that 10% of our learning comes from the classroom or courses or books. 20% comes from coaching or mentoring, but a massive 70% comes from on-the-job experience. I think Jesus knew this. There's a simple model which is pretty much how Jesus operated when investing in the disciples. And it goes like this. I do something, I do a task, you watch me do it, and then afterwards we're going to talk about it. Okay, so we do that a few times. Then after we've kind of done that a few times, the next time we do that same thing together and then we talk together. So we do it together. And then eventually we get to you do that thing, I watch you, and then we talk about it. A few weeks ago, Priscilla gave a brilliant talk entitled Your Greatest Investment, where she raised the question, what if your greatest investment isn't something, but in some one? A big way that we can play our part in the evangelization of the nations is through intentionally choosing someone and passing on what we've learned ourselves. Who knows what that person will end up doing in the kingdom of God? The second perspective in our passage today is that we see the disciples going. Verses eight and nine says, he began to send them out two by two and give them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. So what we have here are Jesus' instructions. The detail-orientated disciples, they're going to be loving this. Logistics. It's the practicalities. And we read that the disciples are sent out in twos. There's probably a few reasons that Jesus sent the disciples out in pairs. Firstly, it's a bit more fun to do things together, right? They could encourage one another. If one was having a bad day, the other one could make up for it. It also would have been safer to travel in pairs. And I suppose a big part of it was accountability to each other. Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 to 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There is another reason why the disciples going in pairs is significant. Culturally, at this time, it was common practice in the court of law that no one's word could be confirmed except on the strength of at least two witnesses. We read in the Old Testament this instruction in Deuteronomy 19 verse 15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offence that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. We live in the age of the 
forwarded many times WhatsApp. I'm always a bit skeptical, a bit suspicious when I see that. Is this fake news? Is this real? Can I really trust this WhatsApp message? Can you imagine what people would have thought hearing of this man who is casting out demons, who's healing people's bodies, who's calming storms at sea? You'd want some verification, right? I'd be going looking for the blue tick. The credibility of what one disciple is saying would increase many times over when he is another witness to back it up. To say, hey, you know what? This is actually true. I've seen it with my eyes myself. So the disciples, they were sent out in twos. The next instruction that Jesus gives them, he says, take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. I'm not sure that there is much in life that gives me a bigger adrenaline rush than checking in luggage at the airport. I remember when we were moving to Malaysia and we were like, we were trying to pack our entire life into two 30 kg suitcases. And we arrived at the check-in desk and I, like I had carried this luggage. I knew that this was definitely not less than 30 kgs. Um, and we, we got to the front of the queue. It was our time to check in. My heart was racing. So I've got, you know, I've got the two cases and I'm like, looking at the check-in assistant, politely smiling, and I'm trying to lift this case as if, you know, it's really light. Like, actually, it's killing me right now. And somehow we think that, you know, the more gently that we place a suitcase onto the conveyor belt, the less heavy it will actually be. So here's me trying to, like, put down this really, really heavy case onto the conveyor belt. And then once you once your hands are off it, there's no going back. You look at the digital display on the check-in desk, the numbers, they're getting higher and higher. And in my head, I'm just going, please stop, please stop, please stop. All the while not making eye contact with the staff member in the hope that by some chance, they won't notice that it's gone up to 41 kgs. Jesus is obviously wanting to alleviate this stress from his disciples. This is a really strict luggage alliance. And again, there's a couple of reasons why Jesus would have given this instruction to the disciples. The absence of a lot of stuff meant they were mobile. They were flexible. They were able to travel quickly if needed. But I think it largely surrounds the idea that he wants them to understand that God would provide for their needs. Traveling light kept them dependent and it modeled trust. It's a big part of the very message that they were preaching. I wonder how the disciples felt being sent out. You know, they'd been with Jesus, they'd been watching him, they'd been seeing these incredible things happen, but really they'd been letting him take the responsibility. And all of a sudden, they're told to go and do this without him being there. I would imagine they probably didn't feel ready. If I put myself in that situation, I think my tendency might be to say, well, actually, I need a bit more training before I go and do that. Or I don't have all the gear for that yet. Or maybe I don't have the credentials or the experience to do that. Well, tucked away in these verses is an extremely important word, authority. Verse eight says, Jesus gave them authority over impure spirits. The word authority here, it means like a delegated spiritual influence. 
The power that Jesus has, he passes on to the disciples to operate in the same way. And just as a side note, I think it's important to recognize that he gave the disciples authority over impure spirits. So if today you are facing spiritual oppression in your home or in your workplace or in a relationship, you can know that Jesus has given you authority over whatever evil it is that you might be facing. You have nothing to fear today. The authority given to the disciples by Jesus is the exact same authority given to us. Our credentials don't come from our experience. Our credentials come from the one who has sent us. We don't need anything else. The message translation puts it like this. Don't think you need a lot of extra equipment for this. You are the equipment. Some of you today maybe know you're going somewhere physically in the next few months. Well, you go with the authority of Jesus. Some of you might just be beginning to feel a nudge to physically go somewhere. Well, you can go with the authority of Jesus, but probably the majority of us today won't be physically moving somewhere else. But that doesn't mean we're not going. What about going every day into a workplace? You go with the authority of Jesus? What about going back on campus or to school after online learning? Well, you go with the authority of Jesus. Maybe for some, it's a metaphorical going through having a conversation with a friend or a family member about your faith. Well, you go into that conversation with the authority of Jesus. The third perspective in our passage today is the villages receiving. Let's read verses 10 to 13. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. As we talked about already, the disciples were traveling light in order to rely on God and trust his provision. But how was God providing? Well, we read that the disciples were staying in people's homes. People who lived in those villages were hosting them, giving them beds, cooking them food. And the thinking is even that they probably provided extra clothes for the disciples too. Kind of like the OG Airbnb. I love that in the kingdom of God, we can be the answer to someone else's prayer. When I first started leading worship as an intern back at church in the UK, I didn't have a guitar. I know, the worship leader with no guitar, how ridiculous. And I was borrowing and using other people's to try and get by. I couldn't afford it, I was still a student, I didn't have enough money. And I remember someone in my church approached me one day and they asked me, uh, you know, Stu, if you're gonna buy a guitar, which one would you choose? So I told them, kind of the one that was on my list that I was hoping to save up for. And later on, I got a text message from that person letting me know that they would like me to go ahead and buy it and that they would cover the cost. What an incredible blessing that was to me. And also that person's act of generosity 
played a part in my calling. Their obedience is woven into the story of what God has done and continues to do in my life. Not only did the disciples get what they needed, but the villagers who hosted them got to contribute. They got to play their part in the mission. For us, it could be giving some of our time. It could be giving some of our money or our resources or offering our homes, or it could even be offering our people networks or our connections. Today, you could play your part in the evangelization of the nations by being the provision that someone else needs in order for them to go. Finally, the villages, they didn't just receive the disciples physically. They got to receive the message and the hope that the disciples were bringing. Verse 12 and 13, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The disciples were bringing a message of good news. The kingdom of God is near. They were showing signs of this kingdom through healing and driving out um, evil spirits. And they were then encouraging those who were listening and watching to get ready to respond and to repent. This word repent in Greek is the word metanoia. And it means a change of mind. It means a change of purpose, a change of life. One other translation says, they preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. This invitation is for us as well. Because of Jesus's death and resurrection, we're forgiven from sin. If we receive this message and we redirect ourselves into the purposes of God, we will experience a radically different way of life, a life of freedom, a life of hope, a life of purpose. I know this is where we're landing, but in many ways, this is actually where it all begins. When we experience the transforming power of Jesus and we play our part in raising up and sending out and going ourselves, we will see the evangelization of the nations and the transformation of society. The time is now. Let's go. The borders are opening. Let's pray together. Wherever we're watching this, you might want to hold out your hands. Um, it's body language. It's just saying to God, you know, I'm open. I'm receptive to what you want to do in me today. And I'm just going to pray, come Holy Spirit. It's an ancient prayer of the church. And if you can, out loud, why don't you pray it as well? Come Holy Spirit. I just had a sense that while I was delivering this message that God really wants to heal 
some people physically today. You know, a sign of the kingdom of God that uh, when the disciples went out and they preached the good news, we read about it, they also healed people. And so if today you are um, needing healing in your body, why don't you just um, pray for that right now? And I'm gonna pray too, so enter into this prayer with me. Father, we just pray that you would send your healing power upon this person right now. In Jesus' name, we pray that their body would function well, that anything that isn't right would be gone in your name, that you would restore them to full health, that they would stop experiencing pain or discomfort, and that, Father, you would fill their body with your Holy Spirit. Amen. I also wonder if through this talk today, you feel God might be calling you to go somewhere, to physically move to a different place. And I just would love you to request prayer right now. Click the request prayer button because I think um, it'd be great for you to pray into that with someone and, and I'll have someone pray over you as well today. But I do want to remind you of that promise that you have the authority of Jesus. And I also wonder if there's someone watching and you really, really want to have a conversation about your faith with a friend or a family member. And you've got a really close relationship with this person, but you feel like your faith in Jesus isn't real. It's kind of the one thing you can't really talk about. You don't feel comfortable. You're worried about how they'll respond. And I just pray that you would have courage today, courage to go into that conversation, knowing that Jesus is with you. And finally, I wonder if you're watching this and actually you, you haven't accepted Jesus into your life. You um, would love to know his transforming power at work in you. Um, and actually you just wanna to respond to the message of good news that we have, that the disciples went into the villages with. So I'm gonna say a prayer. And if that's you, again, I'd love you to echo these words. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you formed me and that you love me. I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to come into this world, to die on a cross and to be raised to life again so that I could be in a relationship with you. Today, Father, I say sorry for the wrong things that I've done in my life up to this point. I turn to you, I repent, and I now walk towards you and your purpose for my life, Father. Please come into my life through the power of your Holy Spirit and would I know you intimately right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would like prayer for any of these things that um, I've mentioned just now or for anything else, please click request prayer. We've got a whole team of people who would love to pray for you. And while we pray, we're going to worship.